Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Praise God. Well, good morning, family. As Pastor Morgan said, my name's Sean Grain. I serve as a staff member here. Thank you, Pastor Morgan and Pastor Jordan, for letting me minister in your pulpit. It's an honor. And as I often say, I'm so happy my wife and children were here to hear that introduction. Because That's right. Amen. Because I tell them that at home all the time. They just don't believe it. So praise God. I'm glad they were here to hear that. Um, Pastor Jordan, of course, has been ministering on the subject of why church, or we could extend that a little bit. Why is church important? Why do we come? What's the big deal? I mean, really, what's the big deal? I'd like to sleep in. Anybody like to sleep in? Oh, sure. Well, why not? Well, we're going to talk about one of the reasons why. You know, if there's not a good reason for doing something, why do I do it? I mean, really, if there's not a good reason to do it, like you guys, you guys go go to school. Why do you go? We have to, exactly. We have to. That's exactly right. We don't want church to be something I have to do. It's something I enjoy doing. Why? Because I understand the benefit of it. So we're going to start out today, excuse me, by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, talking about why church. And um, if we read that, we're going to read that out of the Amplified Classic. Now, if you didn't know the Amplified Classic, it's different than the Amplified. Some of you might have seen it and said, are these the same thing? No, they're different translations. So the Amplified Classic says this. Yet, when we are among the full-grown, spiritually mature Christians who are ripe in understanding. So right here, we we see something already. There is a place that we can get in God where we're mature. We're grown. The the Bible talks about being babes in Christ. The Bible talks about um, people who, out of the Word, they can handle the milk of the Word of God. They can handle the meat of the Word of God. And some can handle the strong meat from the word of God. So what we have is we have levels of maturity when it comes to people in the things of God. And it says we do it. Oh, well, let me, let me back up again. Yet when we are among the full grown spiritually mature Christians who are ripe in understanding, we do impart a higher wisdom, the knowledge of the divine plan previously hidden, but it is indeed not a wisdom of this present age or of this world nor of the leaders and rulers of this age who are being brought to nothing and are doomed to pass away. Go back to the last screen if we could, please. But we see here what happens when we're in a setting where we're with other mature believers. It says we can get into some things that are the mysteries of God. What are the mysteries of God? Things we have questions about. You have anything you want to ask God? Like, have you ever thought you're reading something like, I just don't get that. Why'd that happen? Why'd you do that? What's up with that? You know, what's the big deal? You know, well, what happens is there are mysteries that the Bible says as we grow in God, we're able to understand those things. In the same way, our physical body in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, you know, we're spirit, soul, and body. The same way that our body grows, our spirit man can grow. Eventually, you go from from being a a baby to a toddler to a child to a teen to a young adult to a uh, a middle-aged adult, I guess. I guess that's where we are. Are we middle-aged? How exciting is that? And then you become, of course, someone who's older. Well, spiritually speaking, we do the same thing. Right. And what happens is as we grow physically, our behavior changes. Our life looks different. Well, hopefully as we grow in the things of God, our life looks different too. Yes. Right. 
Hopefully that's the case. You know, I remember first coming to this church like today, this morning, you know, Pastor Morgan mentioned the blood of Jesus and she mentioned um, drink my blood and eat my flesh and things like that, you know. And I remember first coming to church. I mean, imagine coming to church for the first time. I mean, you know, it's like, what's all this blood talk? You know, you're sitting back there and all of a sudden, Father, we ask you to wash us in your blood. What? (laughs) Father, we offer ourselves a living sacrifice. I am in a church of cannibals. I am in the wrong place. And then you have that person that comes up to you and they shake your hand. You ever anybody shake your hand? They go, mmm, that's good. He's so good. Mmm, he's so good. You're like, are you talking about God or like, why are you looking at me like that? We just had a sermon on blood and sacrifice and now you're telling me, mmm, so good. You're weird. All you are creepy. I'm never coming back. Well, why, why did I have that thinking? Because I didn't know. What does any of that mean? Eat my flesh? I thought, that, I thought the Bible said, like, stop doing that. that that's wrong. But what happens? Well, as, as we come and as we learn, we start to understand, oh, that's what that means. Okay, I understand that now. Someone comes up and uses a big word. Well, sanctification is so important. What does that mean? You have redemption. What? Well, you need to consecrate yourself. Is it painful? I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what that means. What are you talking about? See, and sometimes as we've been in church and we understand these things, we forget what it was like when we didn't know what those things meant. We're like, what are you saying? I don't get it at all. That's why church is so important. The more we come, the more we get. And so today, the, the, the topic of our message today, you know, why church is the, the, the series Pastor Jordan's been talking about, but the, the title, I guess, for my lesson today, it's a place of maturing. The church is a place where you can come to grow up in God. Now, it is an extremely rare case when an individual doesn't need to go to the local church. You could be marooned on an island. You could be lost in the jungle. Maybe you've fallen in a well and you can't get out. I don't know. But it is extremely rare that the Christian is not expected to be in a local church. And when I say be in a local church, I just don't mean periodically in a local church. Committed to a local church. Involved in the local church. You don't squeeze church into your calendar. Your calendar revolves around church. Because it's something that's established by God. And if you look, look at the people beside you. If you're in a church where God wants you to be, every person you're looking at has something that God has divinely put into them for you. It's for you. All of these people have something that God put in them thinking of you. Because Ephesians 4.16 says, every joint supplies. What's that mean? When we're connected in the local church, there's a supply that comes to you from other people and there's a supply that goes out from you to other people. If you've met a plumber, they never just run a line because they were bored. There's a purpose to it. The purpose of being connected is for supply to be exchanged. Some to come to you, some to go to others, whatever the case may be. But that's why we come together as a church body because there's something everyone has for one another. That's why the other day, was it last week, Pastor Jordan read out of 1 Corinthians where it said, when one suffers, we all suffer. What's that mean? Well, we're affected by what happens to other people because if it affects their supply, it affects me. 
and that will also help us then concerning the decisions we make because I don't want to be involved in something that's going to pollute my supply and then I feed that to you. Love won't do that. So when we talk about the church, we're talking about it's a place where we can mature. It's a place where we can grow up. Now, why does it say that? Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 8. Then we're going to jump to verses 11, 12, and 13. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. And we've read a lot of these verses before, but it's important for us to go back and look at them again. Because one of the great things, we can hear the same thing at different times in our life, and it means something different to us. It has a different impact on us because when we have greater understanding of the word or the Bible says greater light, we're like, all right, I see something that I've never seen before. So we read here in verse eight out of the Amplified Classic again, therefore it is said when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. Um, He led a train of vanquished foes and bestowed gifts on men. This is talking about Jesus. When Jesus finished his work in the earth, listen, Jesus came so he could die. That's why he came. He came to show people what God was like, and then he came so he could die, and he could fix what Adam messed up That's so that we could enjoy the blessing. What's the blessing? God, when he created man, he said, be fruitful, multiply, take dominion, and be blessed. The, 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 later on, there's a guy named Noah that got a blessing. It's not a blessing. It's part of the blessing, the same blessing God pronounced on all, all of human, all mankind. Abraham, it was that blessing that was on Adam. Whenever you read anything about somebody getting blessed, it all comes out of that blessing that God originally spoke over all of humanity, all of us. So when Jesus came to the earth and he fixed all that mess so the blessing would work the way that it was supposed to, he went to heaven and he took all of those giftings and anointings and all of those things that all those gifts God put in him for the people when he was in the earth. Jesus was like, I don't need this here. So what he did is he put portions of it in different people. So everybody in here got something from Jesus. Everybody in here got it. Now, these five particular that we're going to talk about in a second, uh, they're ministry. They're people who are in the pulpit sort of thing. But it said Jesus gave these gifts to men. Well, he gave it to the church. So if we look at the next verse we have up here, I think 11 is what we're going to go to. And his gifts were varied. He himself appointed and gave men to us. Now, that's interesting. He appointed them to us. He didn't ask us, what do you like? He said, no, no, this is, the, this is the gift from God. I put stuff in for you. This is the one. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Your teacher ever give you an option on if you wanted to take a test or do homework or not? Usually not. You were appointed that. Why? Because it was going to help you. You know, sometimes you have to eat food you don't like because it's good for you. Hey, if I could live on Doritos and Big Red, I'd do it. And barbecue ribs, barbecue ribs, I'd do that too. But you can't do that because it's not good for you. So we see here, what are the gifts? Well, there are five of them. There are apostles. Apostles go to a place where there's not a Christian work and they're anointed to draw people. And they'll create this work. And for a while, they'll help pastor the people. But then they got to go because they're an apostle. It's what they do. We have two sitting right here, actually. Created, started multiple churches in multiple countries. 
And you have prophets, of course. A prophet is an individual that God speaks to and tells this person what's going on in the land and what's going on in the church and helps the church with, hey, don't get caught up in this is ridiculous, don't do that, and this is foolish, don't do that. And I don't know who made that up, don't do that. And, and helps the people to navigate what the church is doing and what God's doing through his church. Evangelists are people, they're gifted, they have tremendous signs and wonders and miracles, and the main reason for that is so people see it and they realize God's real and they get born again. And you have at the, uh, the, the fifth, you have a teacher, a teacher's a person, well, teachers like me, we come and teach. But when we're done teaching, guess what? We leave. Why? Because our job isn't to stay. But then you have the pastor. The pastor is the individual. They call him or her the shepherd of the flock. You're called sheep. You're called a flock. The pastor's been put over by God, put over a flock to help them, to, to lead them, to feed them, to protect them. That's what a pastor does. And if we continue on and we read verse 12, it says, His intention, now this is the reason why Jesus gave these gifts, was the perfecting and full equipping of the saints. So what's this tell us? If you don't have a pastor, you can't be equipped. You can't be matured. You can't grow up. You cannot. And when I say have a pastor, I'm not just saying you have somebody you call pastor. I'm talking about when, when the pastor ministers, you, you get, your, get the notes or you get the podcast and you study what they just talked about. And when they say, hey, we're going to have a midweek service. You make sure you're at the midweek service. And hey, we're going to have a fellowship. Again, our, our, our life with God doesn't revolve around our schedule. We, we, don't, we can't force God into our schedule. What we have to do is we have to make our schedule around Him. And He says the church is the place you come to grow up. You know, it, it, it's, kind of, it, it's kind of like having a relationship. How many of you are married? Anybody in here married? Yep. If you've been married longer than 15 minutes, you realize my life has changed. Yes, sir. Has changed. And, and during marriage, there's a level of commitment that's expected. And we understand that a, a, a lack of commitment in a relationship is not a good deal. You know, there was a prophet in the Bible named Hosea, and what happened is the people of God, um, well, God looks at it this way. He looks at his people and, and his relationship with his people as a marriage. I'm married to you, he's actually said. And, 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 and when they start turning to other gods or other things, now probably none of you have some statue in your living room you bow to every night because some people think, well, that's idolatry. No, idolatry is just putting anything before God stuff, like church, like life groups. Amen. That's idolatry. So we're not bowing down and worshiping God idols in our home. Although I have been in some homes that had idols, church people that had idols. When a house people had a big old Buddha, I thought, well, maybe that could be the problem. <laughs> Just shooting it out there. Just maybe, that's right. Just shooting it out there. But you, so, so um, Israel kept turning toward these wrong gods and doing this wrong thing and, and, and not pursuing God. And God said, I'm going to teach them a lesson. So Hosea, my prophet, this is what I'm going to have you do. I want you to be a living example of my relationship with the people. You're going to represent me. And then who you marry is going to represent the people. So he had her marry him. So, so God told Hosea, marry this prostitute. 
Now think about that. What if I'm sitting in my office and somebody comes in for marriage counseling and I'm talking to this guy and this girl and, hey, what do you do? Where are you from? Well, that's good. Great. And how about you, young lady? What do you do? Oh, I'm in adult films. Like documentaries? What do you mean adult films? No, no, no. You know what I mean. What are you thinking? What? God told Hosea to marry her. Be cautious judging what people said God told them to do. I've noticed that God pretty much never tells me what you need to do. But he sure talks to me a lot about what I need to do. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go out and do that. You're following me. But he said, I want you to marry this woman because I want you to be a living example of what I have to deal with constantly. Unfaithfulness in my people. A lack of commitment. So what happened? They had children. And then what'd she do? She went back to her old ways. And what did he have to do? He not only had to go and get her out of other men's beds, she had to pay to get her back. Hosea never complained. At least it's recorded in the scripture. Of course, I don't know if Hosea would say, yeah, I was pretty ticked about this. (laughs) But that's what what God did. God said, people need to see what I'm dealing with, so you're going to show them. So I want you to marry her. And show them what it's like. We can't come because, well, sports. We can't come because, well, we got to have family night. We can't come because, well, I'm just tired. We can't come because fill in the blank. Oh, it's so quiet. It's creepily quiet. You know, it's kind of like telling God, well, listen, I know you want a relationship with me. I get it. I'm, come on. Who wouldn't? But I know, I know you want a relationship with me, but you're kind of clingy, God. So here's what I'll do. I'll give, I'll give you a one-night stand every Sunday morning. But that's all you get. No, I'm not going to come to the foundations on Wednesday night. No, it's a little too much dedication. Life group, are you kidding me? I'm giving you once a week. Why do you want more? I'll give, you, I'll give you enough of a commitment of a one-night stand every Sunday morning. Will, is, will that work for you? Is that my commitment? God, this is all you got. As we grow in God, we start realizing that there's more he has and there's more we can give. Because as long as the earth remains, there's seed time and harvest. I sow to him, guess what? I reap of him. I get to reap of him. So here, what we have, we see God puts a church in our lives to help us grow up. In the book of Matthew, it says concerning the pastor that these people don't have a pastor. And what happened is their life is scattered. Why is their life scattered? They don't have a pastor who has taught them. And it's not even just about the pastor. It's about the church community. You don't have a church family. You don't have people that, because when you come and you receive from a pastor, there's something you get, but there's something you get from everyone here. There's something they bring and you get it. There's a strengthening that takes place that sometimes we don't even realize takes place. It's supernatural. And in in, um, Jeremiah 23, it says, God says, I'll give them pastors. And when I give them pastors, they won't be afraid anymore. 
and they won't be lacking anymore, and they won't be confused, and they won't be dismayed, and they, and they won't just kind of be floundering around. Because when you have a pastor, you have a vision. When you have a pastor, you have a direction. When you have a pastor, you have a calling. What's my calling? What's this church supposed to do? That's what I'm committed to. And then as we grow in God, God will give us some specific direction. You know, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, without faith, something called faith, it's impossible to please God. What's faith? Trusting God. But it's a little deeper than just trusting God. It's not being moved by other circumstances around you. It's this is God, and God said this, and I'm, I'm going for it. And, and we're a faith church, so what, what does Romans 10, 17 say? Faith comes by hearing. and hearing. hearing and hearing what? The word, the, word the word of God. Yeah, we're faith people. We know that. But we also have to understand that that hearing isn't you reading your Bible. Right. Faith doesn't come from reading your Bible. Right. We think it does. Well, some think it, do, it doesn't. Right before that verse in Romans 10, 17, it's talking about how will the people know if they don't have a preacher? Amen. And faith comes by hearing and hearing. That, that word for the word of God, or those words in the, in the Greek, it actually means the anointed spoken word of God. You need to hear it. You need to hear it. So how do you hear it? Well, you can listen to podcasts. And you can go to conferences and you can do all of those sorts of things. And those things are great. But when you come and you sit in a service, what happens is that minister will minister exactly what you need. Have you ever sat in a service and the minister said something and you're like, that's me. That's my answer. Or have you ever been in a service and the minister's talking and all of a sudden they go off on what seems like a rabbit trail. And you're like, what are they talking about? And then they say something you're like, oh, they're talking about me. What is that? That's the anointed word of God helping you in your situation. Now, I'm not saying that can't happen in other settings. Sometimes you've sat down and you've read the word, and all of a sudden God speaks to you and says, that's you. Now, now, now there's a completely different thing right there. Hearing God. Listening to God. Let's look at this. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8, and let's start in verse 14. Nope, 16, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. So it's impossible to please God without faith, but you can't have faith unless you listen to somebody preach. But I want to have more of a commitment than just kind of that one night stand every Sunday morning. So it's not just a matter of going to some special conference. Now, there's nothing wrong with conferences. There are times God will say, you need to be there. He's told me before, you need to be there. But local church is something, it's, it's just a given. Right. Well, it's kind of like this. I'm married to Jenny. I always come home. This is your home. You always come home. Amen. So Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So, you know, you've got the written word of God. They call that the logos. That's what it means in the Greek. And then you have the word of God that's spoken to you. That's the rhema. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's the rhema. That's the anointed spoken word. But there's also a word again that, that, that God, can, God can lead you. God can lead you. You can actually be led by the spirit of God. That is possible. 
faith begins where the will of God is known. See, sometimes people, people believe that what the word says is true, but they struggle hearing God's voice, so they don't know, am I really supposed to believe for that or not? Because I'm not sure if that was God or if that was just me or what that was. What happens? As we grow in God, we get more mature and we're better able to understand that was God speaking to me. And usually when God speaks to you, it isn't even a voice. It's just down here. It's a knowing. It's like, huh, what's up with that? Here in this particular passage that we had, Romans chapter 8, verse 16, his spirit bears witness with us that we are the children of God. The word children here means someone who's young. They're not real mature, but they do know they're saved. Saved just means they do know they're part of God's family. They know that. They know they're part of God's family. But if you go up two more verses in Romans chapter 8, verses 14, verse 14, excuse me, up there it says, for as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now the word for sons in this verse is different for the word children in the other verse. In the other verse when it said children, it's someone who's immature. This one, sons, it's someone who's more mature. It says of the person who's less mature, they know they're saved, but that's about it. For sons, they not only know they're saved, but they also know how to be led by God. You see, because when it comes to faith, you know, faith, faith folks, we've been around long enough to have some of our own traditions. We, we can turn this thing into a denomination. We're faith people. I'm standing on faith. Really? What are you standing on? Well, I'm standing on faith for that house. Well, wait a second. And, and then they, you, someone quotes a verse out of context. God said, I'll have houses I didn't build. Well, did he tell you that house? They may have believed God for that house. You see, if you don't know God told you that's yours, how are you going to wrap your faith around that sort of thing? Now, there are things in the Word that are clearly spelled out that are ours. Healing, prosperity, going to heaven, peace, joy, all of that sort of stuff. We're guaranteed those kinds of things. But then when it comes to specific things, you've got to be able to hear God for yourself. Because which house are you supposed to believe Him for? What job are you supposed to pursue? Who are you supposed to marry? And sometimes... He may not tell you until he realizes you don't care about it. Right. You remember, what was the thing that Abraham wanted more than anything? A son. son. Mm-hmm. What did God ask him when he got it? Sac- sacrifice him to me. Right. Yeah. Sometimes we got to be willing to take our little Isaac and sacrifice him. Sometimes we've got to be willing to say, God, I don't care. I don't care about that. I just want you. And at that moment, he realizes, okay, that's not his God. I am. It's done. I, before I was married, I was praying one time, walking around the track at New Albany High School. And um, I'd just gotten to a point in my life where I just had enough of me. You, know, you ever just had enough of you? You're like, what a bunch of boneheaded stuff I've done. I'm, I'm through being dumb. I'm through being me. I've just goofed up everything. And I remember walking and I said, God, I don't care if I ever get married. 
I just want you. And at that moment, that was the real deal. That's where I was. And as soon as I shut my mouth, he said, you're supposed to marry Jenny. I'd known Jenny my whole life. And I said, and I've said this before, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) Now, that's not because she's not awesome, but I've known her, but I've known her her whole life. And she's known me her whole life. And there was never, ever, ever anything romantic between either of us. Ever. She played in the band. I was a jock. She shaved her head. I was the prom king. She would arm wrestle guys in the cafeteria and beat them in high school. Yes. In high school. Yes. So there just wasn't any nothing. Have you considered Jenny? No. No, I have not. No, I have not. But it has been heaven on earth. Hey, listen, 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 listen. God's going to put you with someone different than you because you can't live life in a ditch. Sometimes we argue about our differences, but our differences are the things that help keep us on the road. I am a guy that wants everything in its place. For Jenny, everything someplace. It It exists. I just don't know where it is. And you know what? It's been perfect. It's been wonderful. And, and let me also say this. I'm, I'm, I will never say my wife is the best wife in the world because your wife isn't second rate. If mine's the best, why did I get the MVP and you got the JV squad? No, she's the best wife in the world for me. But... You're lacking things that I'm not lacking, and I'm lacking things you're not lacking. And what happens is when God puts us together with our spouse, they bring what we need. So everybody doesn't have what you need, and you don't have what everybody else needs. Amen. She completes me. She's my helpmate, although she gets that so wrong. She she gets something that she wants to go do, and she said, remember, I'm your helpmate. You're to help me meet my needs. And I'm like, I think theologically that's so wrong. So wrong. But he said marry her. After that, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. I didn't even have to think about it. Okay, she's the one. Now, I didn't tell her for like a year plus after he told me that because I knew I got some stuff to do with me, man. But that was it. When he said it, it's done. It's a done deal. And, and, and that, that's faith. He said it, it's a done deal. It is a done deal. But you have to know. And to know, to be able to have that leading, we have to develop some level of maturity in our lives. So when he says, sell the house, you know it's not him and just some thing you're going off of. Because he'll ask you to do things, and and you're like, that's dumb. In the natural, that's not good. We shouldn't do stuff. Look at the Bible. I mean, he had a war, 
I mean, let's say all of a sudden we decide we're going to have a war with the church down the street. So we get all of our weapons and stuff, and we say, whoa, whoa, stop, stop, stop. Amzie, praise team, you guys get out front of us. And Amzie's like, what weapon do I get? No, take off all your weaponry. I just want you singing. Wait a second. We're going into a fight, and all I'm supposed to do is sing? Nope, can't swing, just sing. Just sing. God told people to do that in the Bible. He said, you're going to take this city. Well, what do you want us to do? Oh, walk around it and then, you know, scream and do that for a while. And eventually you'll blow a horn and it'll be all right. Wait, what? You want us to what? So sometimes, and when we're skilled, as we become more skilled, as we become more mature hearing God's voice, even if it's counsel that seems bizarre, we're like, God said it. I have faith in it. I'm going to do that. And everybody around you may be like, you're crazy. But they said that about all kinds of people in the Bible. They said that about Jesus. He's, his own family said, could your family maybe just say, you're crazy. That's all right. What did he say? But how do we get to the point where we know what he says? We have to be mature. How do we get matured? The Bible says, by being in church. I can be as mature or not as I want. Because when I'm done here at church, I've got to take it with me. I take my time in the Word. I take my time of fellowship. I take my time of prayer. All of that, it's not just something I leave here because, listen, I'm not, I don't want a one-night stand with God. I want to be married to Him. I want Him there all the time. If you want to know how covenant-minded a person is, look at their marriage. It's probably the greatest example of covenant-mindedness while we're here in the earth. Because you can fake a lot of things. You can't fake that marriage. It always comes out. It always comes out. Amen? And the great thing is, as we pursue God and as we continue to grow in God, the things that we thought were so important to us, they just lose their value. You realize, you know, this really isn't of any eternal value, any lasting value. And what happens is we just want to spend more time with him. If I'm struggling to spend time with him, it's because I haven't been doing it. So what do I have to do? I have to take those steps to fellowship with him and be with him and and talk to him and love on him and turn off my phone and get away from social media and just maybe I need to go on a walk. And and instead of focusing on the trees and all that sort of stuff, just think about him. The more you do it, the easier it gets. It's like everything in life. The more I do it, the easier it gets. But I have to take that first step in doing it. And as I do, I change. I grow. You know, we've, we've heard for a number of years a lot of great things about what God has available for us in our lives. Are we seeing all of it? If not, then there's more to do. And it's not that he's holding back on us, but he just understands you're not in a place right now where maybe you can handle it. When you have children, yep, there are certain things you know you can't handle that. You just can't. You're you're not in a place where you can handle it. It would actually be destructive to you if you got it. You know, you guys have a daughter named Marilyn. Are there some things you're not going to give to Marilyn? Why? Danger. 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 I like Marilyn. Marilyn's a blast. Yeah, and same thing with everyone's children. I realize they think they want that, but you just need to relax and just wait a minute, and that may come, but 
let's wait. Let's just wait. I'd, I'd mentioned Jenny. We had been in the same church for years before we ever got married because I wasn't ready. Right. I'd have messed it up. Mm-hmm. Of course, she reminds me, oh, I was great. I was ready. I was perfect. <laughs> You're the problem. <laughs> anyway. But am I, am, I, am I opened up to him to the point where I can say, I don't want anything but you. Amen. That's all I want. I want you. How do we get to that place? We grow into it. Yes. How do we grow in it? By coming to church. And not just coming, taking church home with us. Yes. Amen. Yes. Because, because here's an example. I like object lessons. Oh, yeah. So I'd like to use one this morning. And it really, I, I was going to ask if that's okay with you all, but it really doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm going I'm to do it anyway. Listen, I can't do whatever I want at home. I'm going to do whatever I want right here. <laughs> now, the side, some of you don't know me and my wife. We have fun. That's right. We like having a good time. We like joking. We like poking fun at people. We like that. And I, I, when I say that we're opposites, we couldn't be more opposite. Now, now, when it comes to the things of God, it's one thing. But, you know, I'm a scheduled dude. She's not a scheduled girl. I'm like, we got to go someplace. We got to be here at this time. And I'll come out from the bathroom and quite literally. You know how you have the, kind of those metal sconce things in your, in your home? And, you know, they put flowers on them. It looks like this rod iron metal and it's twisted around. I will come out of the bathroom ready to get dressed and my clothes are weaved in those sconces. Literally, I have to pull my clothes out of the metal sconces on the wall to put them on so I can go somewhere. (laughs) See, she didn't say it doesn't happen. She just said, I don't do that on a daily basis. And she doesn't do it on a daily basis. But but for me, early on, I'd have just blown blown it. But, But what happened? God knew I needed her. And God knew you needed me. I'm sorry? That's right, some some structure. Exactly. (laughs) But it is, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's work. It's work, but it's wonderful. Amen. But but here's here's the thing, and this is probably one of the best examples that... Well, it wasn't my example, it was his example. Let's say the Bible talks about in the earth there are two kingdoms. One is the kingdom of darkness, the other is the kingdom of light. I don't want to overly simplify it, but it's almost like two different countries. There are different rules that govern both of them. The kingdom of darkness, sickness, lack, eternal damnation, lack of, you know, no peace, no joy, no nothing. Drama, turmoil, constant. And the other, the kingdom of light, it's prosperity, it's health, it's, it's, it's what's available there is the perfect life. Now, maybe not when you're in the earth because you got to deal with the devil and, and sometimes people who just, they, 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 they might have good intentions, but, um, well, good intentions are good but sometimes the way we carry them out are bad. Dangerous. You follow me? But over here is the kingdom of light, and over there is the kingdom of darkness. Now, we know that before we joined God's family, and before we got born again, the Bible calls it, uh, we lived in the kingdom of darkness, so what we were subject to, we were subject to the king of that kingdom, who's the devil. 
So what I'd like to do, Dar Brother Daryl, would you come up here, please? <laughs> so Brother Daryl's the king of the kingdom of darkness. So I'd like you to hold that red button. <laughs> and over here, we have the kingdom of light. Hoss, come up here. Would you be in charge of the kingdom of light for me? Now listen, don't get offended if you're a UK fan or an IU fan or anything like that. This is a joke. Jesus, don't shake hands with the devil. Quit being all agape like. So what you have you do, people before they before they are part of God's kingdom get born again, they live here. So their life is subject to this. And, and before they hear the good news, they don't even know it's available. They just think, I'm just doing life. I'm just going through life. I'm just muddling through. I'm just whatever the case. But what happens is when someone shares the good news with them, or, or here's something great. You, sh you can share the good news with people just by living it in front of them. Amen. Father, you know, God, if you're God, I, I don't know what to do, but I, I see... Brother Les at work, and, and I see you're, you're helping him. I want what he has, Father. When a person joins God's family, what happens is they step over this line. And now they're no longer subject to those laws. They're subject to these laws. Now, for those laws to try to infringe on him now, it's illegal. It's like if you cross the border between the United States and Canada, the laws are different there. You have to live differently. Well, you don't have to live differently, but you should live differently. So I cross this, and what happens is now I'm in the kingdom of light and what's available, and then I can make a decision along this path. This is now the path of maturity. My spirit's brand new, 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'm a new creature. I never before existed on the inside, my spirit man. Now I'm over here, and I can start my path with God. And the closer I get, what that means, that's the more I'm maturing. There in Ephesians, it says we can grow into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. What's that mean? We can grow to a place where we can live like God. Yes. Doesn't mean we're perfect, but we can, we can walk in healing. We can walk in prosperity. We can help share that with other people. So what happens is I start walking down this path. And what happens in, in, in Hebrews chapter 1, 9, would you put that up for me, please? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9. It, it talks about Jesus. And the great thing about Jesus, it says... Uh, this is referring to him. You have loved righteousness. You have delighted in integrity, virtue, and uprightness, and purpose, thought, and action. And you hated lawlessness. Jesus, well, Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's two things there you seek. Things pertaining to his kingdom and being right. Righteousness just means right with God. Being right, living right. So as I come into this kingdom and I head down this path toward him and I'm maturing in him, I, I, I get to the point where I don't do wrong stuff because I hate it. And I do right stuff because I love it. Good. It's like children. How do you know when your children are maturing? Are they doing the right thing because they want to do right and they realize the benefit it is to others? Or are they just doing the right thing so they don't get whipped? Right. If they're just doing it so they don't get whipped, they're not very mature. If I'm doing things for God just because I don't want to get in trouble or get him mad at me, I'm not real mature. Yeah. I have to develop in that relationship. Now, here's the problem that takes place a lot of times. You have people that were in this kingdom. Go cats. <laughs> they get born again. They step over this line, and they never leave this line. Yes. 
what they do is they ride this line, and you hear questions like, well, is watching a rated R movie really sin? Well, are you sure it's sin if I drink a little wine with my dinner? Well, are you? And they have all these questions. And if you notice, it's interesting, the devil in Genesis chapter 3, he didn't ask Eve. Well, he perverted the question, but he didn't just ask her. Did God say you can't eat of all the fruit trees in the garden? He said, did God really say? You see, if I just ask you a question, that means I want information. Like, let's say, is Brother Jared here today? Yeah, Brother Jared. Let's say I'll go over to Brother Jared's house to play. And we're, we're, we're out there, and, um, you know, he's in the kitchen talking to his wife, and Miss Brandy just made some delicious chocolate chip cookies. Um, and, and I hear them having a conversation, and she says something about the cookies, and I think she said we couldn't have any, but I don't really know. And then we go outside, and we play, and we come in. And I asked Brother Jared, I said, hey, did, did she say we couldn't have any of those? Nothing wrong with that question. I'm wanting information. But if I say, did she really say we couldn't have any of those? I'm not asking for information. I know the answer. I'm trying to get him to waver on what he believes. So I don't want to hang out with really people. Is it really bad to miss church? Is it really bad to watch that mature-rated television program? Is it really bad if I'm watching a show with partial nudity? Is it really? And what happens is people walk this tightrope. You see, if I'm asking those kind of questions, I'm not very far down this path. I'm towing the line. And always remember, nobody ever fell off a cliff who wasn't on the edge. Well, they fell into sin. No, they didn't. They didn't fall into sin. They kept playing on the cliff and fell off. That didn't just happen. They kept playing there. They lived their life there. They refused to grow up. They refused to love God. They refused to commit to the things of God. And they played on that cliff so long that they fell over into it. It didn't just happen. But what happens after I get here and I make the decision, I want him more than this line. You know, you ever walk anybody, watch anybody walk on a tightrope? They're focused on that. They're not focused on this. If I'm living a life where I'm constantly asking these questions, I'm not focused on this. I'm focused on, well, what can I get away with? But as I become more like Jesus, what happens? I hate what's wrong. I hate, I hate even the thought of it. I, I, I don't even have to ask. I don't care to ask. The Bible says, abstain from all appearance of evil. Didn't even say it's evil. What happens? As I say, I hate that, but I love good. I love right. I love whatever. The Bible says don't do things that cause other people to stumble. How's it look? I got a truck one time, and I wanted to get me a brown Ford F-150. Ooh, so nice. But I was driving in Clarksville, and I was going across the overpass, and I noticed a truck just like the one I wanted was sitting at that adult bookstore. And I realized then, I can't get that truck. Why? Somebody sees that truck there and thinks it's me. What's that going to do? Why? Because I hated what was wrong. We have to hate wrong and love right. How do we get to that point? We mature. How do we mature? The local church. Amen. Because I can dabble in the goodness of God. I can dabble in his best, but until I commit to it, I won't consistently see it blooming in my life. Hey, you guys can keep those signs, by the way. Frame it. 
You want me to sign it for you? You've probably got like a thousand in there. Thanks, Hoss. You can have a seat too. But that, that's, that's the thing. Why church? Because it's a place where we grow up. It's a place where we start. Our, our marriages get better. Our money gets better. Our health gets better. Our relationships get better. We get further down the path of what God has given us or purposed us to do in the earth. It's a wonderful thing. But it only comes as we pursue him as we come to church, as we take the time to get in the word, as we pray, as we fellowship with him, as we take advantages of every opportunity we're given. As we take advantage, because listen, 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 listen. I said that a lot. (laughs) I said that a lot. Listen, if (laughs) my son today said, hey, dad, I'm going to listen to you because when you start talking, you, you say like little words and you start to stutter and you say a whole bunch. So I'm like, don't bring that up. <laughs> Glory to God. Ugh, Glory to God. Great. And a voice crack on top of that. That always goes well with the youth. Hey, Dad, puberty. <laughs> well, I'll remember it if it was important. <laughs> if it was God, I'll remember it. But praise God. You know, he, he, he's, made, he's made it. Oh, that's, that's it. Thank you, Father. What's the right way to word that? If I'm constantly talking about wanting God's best, but I don't make choices that demonstrate that, no one's going to believe me. I can tell you all day long, I want God's best. I want what he's got available. I want to walk in it. But then you see by the choices I made, I'm, I'm not pursuing that. Nobody's going to believe you. Your actions confirm what you say. Your actions confirm what you say. And, and, and I don't say this. Listen, maybe you've been a person who's... And listen, when you're new and you're young and figuring all this out, hey, man, that's part of it. But, and it's not to condemn anybody, but it's just so we understand. If I want to get to that next place with him, and hopefully we all do. Hopefully, we're all at a place in our life where we're not satisfied with where we are. We're content with what we are, but we're not satisfied. We want more, then we take that next step. So this isn't something to beat anybody up. It's just to hopefully have a self-evaluation to recognize, you know, I'm on the line. I'm on the line. I need to take a turn and pursue pursue what's available. And listen, about about that line, you know, you'll you'll have to decide if it's sin or not. I I know what it is for me. Because there, there are things you've told other people you can't. Told me I can't. Dr. Summerall, Pastor Nancy quoted it. Um, others may, but I may not. So that's something that you have to do. But praise God, he's got some wonderful things available for us, and we want to take advantage of them, and they're all connected to the local church. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.